I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Welcome, Pat Fraley. So happy to chat with you again. The Brothers Johnson, get the funk okay. out of my face. Get the funk out of my face. And I always get, get, did you know that when you got that title? Uh, no, I actually got the title because I was in my own funk. And I thought, <laughs> how can I get out of my funk? I'm going to start a radio show. Well, you have to, or I'll send you that song. I, I'm going to listen to it. You have Brothers Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Brothers Johnson. Nice. Good to see you. Janine, I got it right, right? You got it right. So, Philip, I mean, Pat. <laughs> Call him Peter. Peter, okay. Um, I studied with you a while ago with Barbara Harris. I've taken workshops with you, leading with Ned Lott, all these great people. I love voiceover. I was hooked, I think I told you, because of my dad. I took a plane with him at 18. I had no idea how funny he was in all these crazy character voices. And then when I moved to Los Angeles area, I heard about you. I took one of your classes. And it sounds like you got hooked at a really young age on this. Well, you know, <clears throat> I was four years old and was going to be a performer. So somewhere along the line, I stopped paying them and they start paying me. And it really <laughs> nice. wasn't about voices. Because as I mentioned to you, I started my career in Australia. I got out of acting school and emigrated. And there are only two actors, Mel Gibson and I, which he's American, by the way. He got, his father got he and his brothers over there early to get out of the war, Vietnam War. Wait, do you mean Mel Brooks or Mel Blank? No, Mel Gibson. Oh, Mel Gibson. Okay, because we were talking earlier. Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, maybe I said the wrong Mel. It's okay. So, so they didn't even have a term for voiceover then. And they called it, you know, actors. And so I really never came to grips with doing voices. I came to grips with doing characters, and they happened to not film me. They just got me by a mic. That's, that's how I've always looked at it. That's great. And of course, there's a ghost career that I didn't have in commercials that never happened because I did characters. And so, of course, you know, I was uh, better at, well, no, I was better than in characters than on stage. Why is I, that? Why do you think that is? I think it's a matter, well, digging deeper later, I think I just was more free. I, I, was, I was reared without fear. Um, and so, um, I was very good at, at, at amateur theater because I was bigger and I'd go farther. I had bold, strong, committed choices. And I was scholarshiped all, all the way through graduate school because of that. But, and I was great at, you know, French farce. Oh, terrific. Shakespeare, pretty good. Chekhov, the pilot light went out. <laughs> I was not good. Mine would too. <laughs> oh, you know, and uh, I remember once, uh, and forgive me if I've told you this before, but I was leaving the studio after doing a uh, early voiceover job, going back to the rep company to do Shakespeare. And they went, oh, we like you. And I went, really? Why? Oh, because you're so big. We can't get the other actors to be that big. And I went, okay, there you are. And within a couple of years, I was at, Los Angeles at Hanna-Barbera doing cartoon voices because they wanted big, but yes. they wanted good acting. Right. I could do yeah. that. Yeah. What was so, your major in college, by the way? Drama. 
I, I uh, two years at a community college in dramatic arts, two years to get my BA in theater, and two years getting an MFA in acting at Cornell. So it was always acting in theater because in those days you couldn't take a comedy class, and I was always funny, and you couldn't take an improv class. They didn't have them. All you could do, and no stand-up, all you could do is theater. And so that's what I did. What were some of your earlier characters that you created? Well, um, there was a guy that owed me money when I first got to town in Los Angeles. His name was Jim Terry. He was a producer. And I actually called him once. He owed me a grand or something like that. I went, Jim, I need that money. And he went, uh, can I call you back? Uh, I, I'm up to my ass and Samantha, my pool's leaking. <laughs> and I went, your pool is leaking. So I thought, well, here's what I'll do. I'll do Jim Carrey for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, no one will know except Jim. And it'll drive him nuts and I'll make money on him. So there's Eddie Graffiti is an early character. And I play a secret. And the secret is, Janine, that's correct, right? is that he's been to jail and he doesn't want to go back. So he pretends he's a nice guy when he would shoot you, but he wouldn't want to. He doesn't even laugh. He has like a goat laugh, you know, beforehand. Yes. So that's an early character. Uh, oh, but, but, you know, when I was young, I did disparaging ethnic characters, much the delight of my family and stuff. Things I never do now. Chinese men and, you know, people that are mentally challenged, but that's where I started. Right. But I don't do, I didn't do those professionals, but I accumulated characters because if you do a good Sylvester, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Yosemite Sam, that's great. But how many people do that? That's Mel Blanc. So Bob Bergen does some stuff and somebody else does some stuff, but it's other people's work. So early on, I realized I need to have my own work. Yeah. And, to, to, and to fulfill the archetypes in my own way, because they are archetypes. I mean, they, they want the uh, authoritative person, the uh, unfocused teen, which I don't do anymore. And, and, but they want my swing on it, or they did. They still do. Yeah. And uh, I get hired because I have a different swing on things. No, it's great. So here's a question for you, because here we are in a pandemic. There are going to be a lot of actors and actresses watching this, especially people that perhaps are interested in voiceover. What would you say to someone who's in a professional funk right now because of what's going on? What, what well, could they do? Okay, well, first of all, don't quit. There's a lot of people that are quitting because, yeah. well, you know, it's obvious. I mean, it gets disparaging. There's no auditions. There's no professional studios open. <clears throat> it's tough. Yeah. The thing to do is, well, there's two things. A, you can get, go from good to excellent because it's good that people are leaving, but what's left? Excellent people, driven, motivated people. And so being excellent sells itself. Being good, you have to sell yourself over and over again, and you can't do it because everybody's good. There's very few people that are bad that work. Because it's a voice. It's not the way we look. Yes. You know, you see the worst lifts and the worst toupees in voiceover ever. Because it doesn't matter, right? Not at all. No, it doesn't matter at all. 
So and it doesn't really influence people a whole lot. You don't find you're working with attractive people because they're attractive, whereas you do in on camera. Right. So what I suggest is one, you can get excellent and you need training a little bit, but you got to watch the money because we don't know how, what's going to happen. We don't. No, people are reluctant to use a visa card. They use debit or they are careful about budget. And I respect that. And I swing deals with all my home course studies because of it, right. you know, because I've always a performer, you know, I know what it's like. Sure. There, that's one thing to do. The other thing is get used to doing nothing. Being really, I mean, my son Ford, my the youngest, I got, I call him. Go, what you do that was absolutely a total waste of time. And let me start. I sat in bed and watched Paladin episodes from bed, black and white, and I have two hundred and thirty-two of them. <laughs> and I said, "You go. Your turn." Well, yeah, yeah, right. So he's up in Idaho with his uh, brother at our family ranch. And who knows what they're doing. I haven't heard from him for about a, year, a day and a half. Doing nothing. Fishing, hanging out, you know, having hash browns, right. which is, you know, the state vegetable in Idaho. <laughs> and that, that's what you have to do. And not beat yourself up for doing nothing. Yeah. You know, laughing with Renee, she's isolated down in Palm Desert, which you know is about two hours away from us. Yes. And I'm in L.A. And I said, and we're laughing because uh, I said, they have the dad rolled over and looked at the, the electrical socket and said, I can clean it, you know. Clean an electrical socket? Do that, you know. But yeah. that's, get used, okay, I did that. Now I think I'll take a, a nap. Exactly. So there's two things you can do. Nothing or get, go from good to excellent. You bet. But never ever deal with somebody that really doesn't like your work, ever. You always have to deal with people, even if they're civilians, who like what you do. They won't always tell you you're good, but, but they won't say, oh, you, you don't know what you're doing. Or, because we can be very sensitive in this day and age and, be, and really get disparaged early and yes. easy. You gotta okay. talk to somebody that lifts you up. I agree. We need yeah. those people because the ones that are negative are toxic. Oh, right now, too, because we're babies. I've told you, you know, and, you know, I watch you face Blanche. You know, actors are babies and writers are axe murderers. And, of course, you're both. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> uh, I find that this is also a time to, as you said, have really good self-care. Maybe it's a nap. Maybe it's doing nothing. Maybe it's taking a walk, whatever it is. But also create. If you hear an interesting voice, it could be a telemarketer. You could kind of take that and create some character. Oh, gosh, yeah. In right? fact, most all of the people I know, and I'm talking Nancy Cartwright, Phil Lamar, Fred Tattashore, Dee Baker, the best of the best, because I work with them, because I always have a guest on my, when I, taught with guests, right, that was better than I, because you're only as good as the elbows you rub, right? Mm -hmm. So I know Billy West, all these people, they all have something that inspired them. And a lot of people, it's, it's people you know, like I knew Jim Carrey, right? Mm -hmm. But I have bad impressions I do, and no one knows I'm doing an impression of somebody. 
but wow. you hear something. In fact, once I had a student go on, he, he did a character sort of like this. I don't know what it was. He was searching for something, you know? And I said, hey, stop. I know you're paying for this session. You're not paying. And I pay you 50 bucks. I want that character. I paid him 50 bucks. <laughs> I never used it, but I, I, I was delighted. And so get inspired. And, you know, when I started, I had a reel-to-reel, they called it portable then, tape recorder. And I was a teenager, early teenager, and I played. And even without it, I used to play in the car and play and come up with characters that delighted me. In fact, there was one guy I knew called, uh, his name was Ed Gilbert. And I did uh, Tailspin with him and other shows. Wonderful actor. We've, we've lost him, but... I care. We Neil Ross and I came up. What if there was a character that that did a pirate voice and he liked it so much he gets stuck in it? Really? Yes. And so I wrote a monologue called Eddie Gravy Gibson about an actor <laughs> who gets stuck in a pirate voice and ruins his career, but he can't get out of it. He loves it too yeah. much. I don't know. Just and in the car is a great place to motivate. See, you you come up with the ca- character. Definitely. There's three aspects, evocative, unique, and developed. Well, um, unique is sort of from your own background. I mean, you don't know Jim Terry, but I do. So I come up with Jim Terry. Evocative, somehow, when you do the character, you know, you know, see, you're, you're smiling. Right? Mm-hmm. It's evocative. It doesn't make an intellectual choice on your part. It makes it a visceral, emotional Emotional, response. yes. And you know that from hanging out with people you like and they laugh at something. What's that? We're, you know, who knows why? That's like charisma. You can't define it. No, you can't. So there's unique, evocative, and developed. Now, developed is the acting for us. It's the thinking and feeling as a character. Because when I do this... Uh, you know, when I do my mall guard, hey, you kids can't be in here. Then you get knocked out. What the? Oh, you have to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's unique, evocative, but it's developed because when I do this character, you know, I'm thinking like the character. That's the way I do. So it's full. Yes. If not, you're missing something and you're working two dimensional. Right. Certainly if you don't have the development. Because I can do a funny voice, and if it's not, you know, developed, then it just sounds like a funny voice. They don't want that. Exactly. They'll never use those terms, by the way. That's our terms. Yeah. But I got caught on to that early on. And when I came to L.A., just God's plan, it, it was what they did. Better management than creation. I had about a dozen characters. And I relied on them just as the best relied on that. Mel Blanc and Juve yeah. Ray and Dawes Butler and Don Messick. When he got right down to it, they changed the dialect, but keep the character. Mm-hmm. It was rather like Michael Bell used to say, what we do is more like Mr. Potato Head. Yes. We change your nose and ears. So it's the same character, right? I remember if meeting I- him at an um, animation event in Burbank years ago. Uh, and he was giving me advice about getting into animation, getting into the union. Um, but one thing I do notice about voice actors, you can't be afraid to use your body, to use your hands, express yourself. And that's actually how I got into the union. I, I got a, a, a SAG job. I auditioned. It, 
it wasn't even, there weren't even lines. They said, how would a bear sound? How would a bear, right? And I almost didn't do it. I thought, oh, this is baloney. What am I wasting my time? It's 1030 at night. And I thought, you know, this could be the one, just do it. And I did it. And the casting director brought me in. He says, sit down for a second. I want to tell you something. We had 750 auditions and I played your audition for a whole bunch of men and they had no idea you were a woman, <laughs> but you got the job. And it was just my interpretation from listening and studying. And, and it's really important to do your homework, obviously, as you know. Yeah. Well, you know what, Janine, what that is, is uh, doing something in overcoming a modicum of fear. Now, my journey, as I mentioned, I was, I was reared without fear. So, um, and I'll tell you a fast story about that, but, but my journey has been uh, to, to contain rather than release, but most people's journey is releasing. Bold, strong, committed choices, because that's how we get hired. Because guess what? The one thing they, in eight years of study, they never dealt with was how to get attention. And if I would have said, yeah, this is all good, all these skills, but I don't get their attention, they would have kicked me out. Right. They always said, well, make bold, strong, committed choices. Well, thank you. But that's very important because no one's ever heard of an audition or no one ever really gained an audition without getting attention to. And uh, when I was uh, going to audition for graduate school, MFA was the way to go then. I remember being in the dorm room going, well, I'm, my classic monologue is this scarred hero. And here I have a face like a peach. What do I do? I picked up something. Well, here, I'm going to do it. Okay. I picked up some, I picked up some tape. And, I, and, and when I went east and I went to Yale, Cornell, Ithaca, Circle in the Square, Temple, I get in all the programs, and I got scholarship. And here's what, here's what I did. Um, hello, my name is Patrick Fraley, and I'd like to do a monologue from uh, the, the Changeling by Thomas Middleton. <clears throat> Yonder she. Whatever ails me, especially late, I must admit my face is bad enough. And I turned and I watched it show this tape on my face. Now here I am, I'm in at Yale, and I'm turning around with tape on my face. And so I what thought, happened? I bet it was a great reaction. Well, I never heard anything, but I got in all the programs. So I thought I was so good. I got later. I realized they were probably there saying. Hey, if he'll do that, he'll do anything we say. <laughs> because they're really looking for people that would do what they said. Yes. You know, it's the old Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali line. Um, and I'm turning around. If they say horses have eggs, you grease up the pan. <laughs> so they said, be Frankenstein, but a mantra. Sure. Okay. So no problem. Most people have to, you know, gird their loins and get there but they need to get more goofy you know uh like and uh, i suppose what goes against that is trying to get a job because there's such pressure and money and work and all that but you have to kind of get over that and Catherine hepburn used to say 
uh, I am so much better when gr my my shoulders are three inches lower when I don't don't have the groceries on the line. Yes. You get that? Yes. Yeah. It's like, hey, well, we have to get there even when we're making money. Right. I know. And right now, people do feel a lot of weight on their shoulders, obviously. Oh. We have millions of people out of work. Well, listen, uh, it's, it's Chapter 11 and bankruptcy coming up. And, you know, mm -hmm. July, they stopped part of the money we're getting from unemployment. Well, there's just a lot of pressure. I have two boys that cannot work and can't get work. And what are you going to do? Go on a budget. Well, they're already eating ramen. And so one of them, I said, well, just do the budget I do. Well, you know, and I call them and go, well, I went over, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? What you need to do is, well, it depends on who you think is in charge. Personally, I know God's in charge. So it's not my job. And somehow we have to make the psychological adjustment that you just didn't do what you do. And Janine, you've talked about what you can do, which is so important. And I've responded with play or do nothing and enjoy it and laugh at it. Mm -hmm. Because you can't really plan. Nothing. You can't really think about the past or the future, just now. And being playful is really uh, a wonderful thing to do because they buy that. I mean, certainly comedy. I mean, Brad Garrett, my, my buddy, my best friend, who's an actor and a comedian, said, kid, we're okay. Everybody will always need to laugh. <laughs> well... They always need characters because we delight in them. And even, and I, and of course, I fall down the YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, every other night. But somebody that was being interviewed said, look, I tell my kids, just do what you like, what you enjoy doing, because everything else will go away. Right. And, you know, I always think of Jim Carrey making 20 million a movie. And now he, he doesn't want to do that because he was so unhappy. I didn't know that. He was, well, his memoir is coming out very soon, but, but he changed radically because he, he was, he'd been there, done that. He didn't want to do what he'd done before. Richard yeah. Pryor, another genius, was the same way. He'd done yeah. that. And yeah. it won't make you happy, even though we go, really? I'd like to be unhappy, make a couple grand, a couple hundred thousand years. I'd like to try it. Right. Well, it's money doesn't fun. bring you happiness, so long term. I was talking to an African-American guy who's my age hanging out at the liquor store. That's the people I hang out with. Okay. Brady Alexander. And, I, and we came up with, yeah, you know what? Chances are things are tough if you don't have enough money or you have too much. Mm -hmm. And most of us are kind of in the middle. Right. We're not homeless and we're not billionaires. Yeah, exactly. So in that area, we need to be delighted. Even if we're not making money, be delighted with what you do. Yes. And you know what I also noticed, Pat, is that I'm picking up the phone more and calling people. So, for instance, I was talking to an agent out at another, in another state, and she actually called me back. And I thought, how shocking. So when she left me a voicemail, I actually thought it was a telemarketer. <laughs> So I get this phone call and I thought, I couldn't really hear her. And then we get disconnected. And I thought, telemarketer. So then she leaves me this long, lovely uh, message. I call her back and she says, if I'm busy, just keep trying me. And we connect. 
And I said, are, are you from here? She says, no, I'm, I'm from England. And I said, because you called me back and you were so polite. And she said, well, that's, that's me. So we had this lovely conversation and I mentioned my show, Get the Funk Out, and she laughed. And, but I think really this is the time to connect with people by phone, to make the effort. Yeah, yeah, by phone, by email, anything you do, uh, connect with people and respond. And you know, it's not different than going on vacation. If you've gone on vacation, you'll find yourself talking to people like at a bar or in a pool for long because you're kind of hungry just to kind of communicate with another human being. Right. And it doesn't matter what you talk about. I mean, some of my best friends, Rob Paulson, Ed Asner, Brad Garrett, we never talk about show, what, what we make. We talk about family and old comedians we think are funny or stories we've heard because we, we are hungry for it. And not because we're anybody, just because people are hungry to communicate. If you look on Facebook, you'll see it. Yes. People are I hesitate to use the word desperate. They, they hunger for communication. Yes. Or they're angry. Well, we're social creatures and we're not having those social connections. Well, you know, God didn't create Adam. He said, oh yeah, Eve. They're partners. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not like we were made to be alone. Right. And, and but we are. I mean, right. I'm alone in this place. Let's see. Yeah. yeah, I've got my orchids behind me. Oh, do they That's have names? Uh, no, but I kill them on the way to my car from the grocery store, usually. Oh, so if they make it, they make it. But, you know, we're alone. And so, yeah, we love to talk and to communicate and to share. And it's not just all about getting people to agree with you. I agree. But we have things, we're like-minded, you and I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, Rob was on my show. I had a really nice segment with him. He's a delightful guy. You know, I spent nine years next to him doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. And we got to the point where we got bored with ad-lib because we both love to improv. Mm -hmm. And so we would share each other's ad-libs. You're kidding. No. I'd, <laughs> I'd tear off a page and go, here's your ad-lib. Yeah, got it. And he gave me one, and I got to share it with you. I had a line that said it was Krang who said, how would you like to be boiled in oil, right? Here's the ad lib I got, and they used it. How would you like to be sautéed in oil with just a touch of cilantro? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so Rob, you know, and he's uh, become, he's remained a dear friend because we did hundreds of cartoon shows together. But that was unique because we never had any scenes together. Yeah. I was always with Shredder, James Avery, who was at the, at the front of the studio. I never really saw him. I'd hear mm -hmm. him. But Rob and I just, our objective was to make the other laugh. I love it. What a great thing to do for a living, to know you're going to go into work and laugh. Janine, can you imagine, I mean, you know, you think of Bonanza, which went years. Mm -hmm. Those guys would not see each other for a couple shows or have one scene or none. Right. Once a week. We were together, the whole cast, and saw each other and heard and had breaks for mm. nine years. It's, it's unprecedented. Yes. Yes. Simpson or something, but they were once a week. Oh, no, wait. We did two shows a week. I can't remember. We, had, we only had four hours to do the show. Where Simpsons, they work on the script and do one show a week, but 
I don't know. I don't know about them, but uh, I do know that they didn't take wild pe- wild auditions much. So we were together and we had no guests. Oh, so it's just all, all of you all the time. 50 characters. Yeah, we had to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, oh, I don't do a Chinese dialogue. You do now. Right. Really? You know. Mm. Now, I want to mention you have free classes on your website as well as information on your workshop. Yes. Yeah, if they go to patfraley.com, they'll find uh, in the menu free. And if you go there, you will get, you'll see where you can click in here 50 small lessons on SoundCloud or scroll down and see 50 more that are right there, video and some audio. And they're free. Yeah. As I mentioned, I always will have a heart for the performer. No, it's well, great. I'll take money and do a good job. I, I do that. But, you know, it's great. There's a great line from Dodsworth they, on Facebook. They said, what's your favorite line from a movie? Well, my favorite movie is Dodsworth. It stars uh, Walter Houston. And at the end, his wife, who's brought him, he's gone through hell with her in Europe. She did an affair and everything. And he gets on the boat and he decides to go back to Mary Astor. So he goes, goodbye, I'm leaving. And he puts his hat on. She goes, you'll never get over me, Sam. And he says, well, that may be true, but love has to stop somewhere short of suicide. Oh. <laughs> and that's, that's the way I feel about that. Love has to stop somewhere short of suicide. Mm-hmm. But I do love. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly love what you do. Oh, always. Teaching. God gave me a passion for teaching and performing my entire life. And I'm grateful because some people live their lives without passion. Yeah. They're weekend warriors. You know, they, they have work on a worm farm, making a lot of money, but they got that boat on the weekend. Right. Well, every day is a weekend for me. I don't even know when it's Saturday. I know. I know it's Sunday right because I stream church now rather than go, but that's the only reason I know. Yeah. I lose days. Do you lose days? Absolutely. Where yes. I go, well, I thought it was Thursday, you know. I know. No, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, well, well would, it's kind of like being in a uh, low, let me think, low security prison. Because you I have no, <laughs> and you can, you have food, Yeah. but you're still stuck. Yeah. You know, I'm happy when I go, oh, I'll have to go check my mail today. And I drive down and check my mail. Oh, really? How exciting. <laughs> and when they say, well, you don't have any mail today. I used to go, oh, thank goodness. Because it's usually bill Bills, after bill. Yeah. And all I go, okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you should clean the lint out of your dryer. That'll be exciting. <laughs> I did my vacuum cleaner the other day. I'm so pleased. I took a nap afterwards. Oh, good. Did you clean the outlet? No. I'll see you later. Okay. Pat, this has been great. I've loved talking with you once again. It's my pleasure. Anybody wants to email me, by the way, if they go to my website, patfriendly.com, they go to contacts, they'll have my personal email and my personal phone number. Email's faster, and I'm going to be available until I go to heaven, then I won't be. So go ahead, email me if you have a question. Or I can help you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janine.